Go ahead and turn to our scripture uh, passage found in Hosea 3. I will be reading those words for us in just a moment or two. But first I want to talk about how as we read through the Gospels, again and again we can see stories involving Jesus and His love, His care and concern for all kinds of people, His willingness even to forgive and forget that confirm to us over and over what John teaches us in his first letter, the fourth chapter, the eighth verse, when he says that God is love. And when we hear that verse, God is love, we think about how that's a very a New Testament sounding verse to us. But do you think that you'd be able to just as easily find a verse like that in the Old Testament? I think for some of us, God is the same from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And yet for others of us, sometimes we sort of have the attitude that The God of the Old Testament is is a sterner God. He's a God that we see more judgment and wrath and destruction and those sorts of things. Whereas in the New Testament, we see more of God's mercy and compassion and His love. Well, I've chosen a passage today that's designed to help us rethink that whole attitude if in fact we have that attitude that the God of the Old Testament is more one of wrath and the God of the New Testament is more one of love. Because we're going to take a look at this third chapter of the book of Hosea. And if we think that there's no God of love in the Old Testament, then we've just forgotten about Hosea and a lot of other books. Or maybe we just haven't read it lately. For even though the judgment of God is there, it's always tempered by love that will not let us go. So with that in mind, I want you to listen for the God of love as I read these five verses. And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And I said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man, so will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. 
Even though Hosea as a book is considered one of the minor prophets, minor meaning short in length, not in what they have to say, Hosea is like the greater prophets. He's just like Jeremiah who we see at the potter's wheel. He's just like Ezekiel who we see building miniature siege works to represent the downfall of Jerusalem. He's just like them because his very life is symbolic of God's word to his people. Even though Gomer, his wife, had deserted him, even though she had once again become a prostitute, God told Hosea to go and love her. Hosea had to buy her back at public auction for the price of a common slave. And yet he was willing to do that in order to be obedient to God's Word unto him. And throughout this whole what must have been for him painful and embarrassing ordeal, Hosea was conscious that his love for his unfaithful wife was a reflection, albeit an inferior one, but a reflection of God's love for His unfaithful people. But at the same time, he would also have known that this is a love unlike anything else out there experienced in the world. His life and his love for his unfaithful wife were displaying the great difference between human love on the one hand and divine love on the other. A divine love that would ultimately be revealed in another life. The life of God's own Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whose death on the cross would once and for all show to the world the great love that God has and is. And this love was so different than what had been manifested before. You know, Jesus Christ gave a whole new definition, a whole new meaning to the word love. We see the old meaning in places like the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. We see that old meaning in, in books like the Psalms, like where we can read in Psalm 103 that the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto children's children to such as keep His covenant and to those that choose to remember His commandments to do them. Do you hear how there's a causality there? One thing's going to happen if something else takes place. The old meaning shows us in a way that God's love, at least the way it was communicated to us, was limited to those who feared Him, to those who remembered to do His commandments with the operative word being do there. In other words, those who merited God's love received God's love. But Hosea gave a whole new meaning to the word love by loving his wife even though she didn't deserve it. 
Jesus did the same. When He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Paul was talking about the same type of unbelievable love when he told the Roman Christians, while one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man one will dare even to die, but God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the same gospel that Hosea is proclaiming to you and me this morning here in his third chapter. It's the same gospel that's found all through Scripture if we'll simply look for it. God is the same in the Old Testament and in the New Testament because He's a God of love and He's a God who is love. Hosea couldn't go and fully love an unfaithful wife again with the love of the world because the love of the world is not like that. Could you love someone who's been unfaithful to you? Someone who's despised you? Especially with a love like 1 Corinthians 13 describes, a a love that's patient and kind, a love that does not keep a record of wrongs? Well, of course not. We don't have that kind of love in us. That's not the kind of love we see in the world. But by taking back his wife, by paying a price for her, Hosea was showing that even the unworthy are worth loving. And this is what gives a a truly New Testament feel to his prophecy. For he was one of the first, if not the first, to discover that divine love goes out to us not because we're worthy of it, but because God is love. And this is the same thing we see in the death of Jesus stretched out on the cross for you and for me and for all the world. We see God's love in that God sent His Son. God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's John 3, 17. Many of us learn 3.16, but 3.17 is just as important. 3.16 talks about the love of God that He has for the world and that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that we might not perish. 3.17, for God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. That's not why Jesus was sent, but that the world through Him might be saved. And the whole world, every single person needs and wants to hear about this love, this love of God that accepts us for who we are. Not for what we are. Not for what we've done. You and I need to hear that good news, especially on a new Lord's Day in a brand new year. Everyone around us 
needs to hear that. And I'll tell you why. Because there are a lot of people out there in the world who've never heard that. Many, many years ago, Father John Powell told the story of Norma Jean Mortensen. Norma Jean had a terrible childhood, spending most of her days in foster homes where she was sexually abused and never shown hardly any love and affection. But as she began to grow up, people began to notice that she had a pretty face. And that's what they talked about. She wanted to be remembered not just for a pretty face, but for the fact that she was an actual person. She hadn't been given that kind of worth in her childhood. Then Norma Jean went to Hollywood and took on a new name, Marilyn Monroe. She was an overnight success. Many people claimed the greatest sex symbol ever. But she kept asking, did you also notice that I'm a person? I'm not just a pretty face. I'm a real person. This question was played out in her off-screen behavior because everyone in Hollywood hated Marilyn Monroe. She had the reputation for keeping her crews waiting sometimes two hours at a time. And because of that, they called her a selfish, arrogant brat. But they didn't know that she was back in her dressing room physically ill because she was so terrified. She kept saying through the way that she acted, will someone take me seriously? I'm a real person. And so on that Saturday night at the age of 35... Marilyn Monroe took her own life. And when her maid found her body the next morning, she noticed something. The phone was dangling off the hook beside of her. Later investigation revealed that in the last moments of her life, she called a particular Hollywood actor and told him she had taken enough sleeping pills to never wake up. And supposedly that actor quoted a line from Rhett Butler's character in Gone with the Wind, which I now edit for worship. Frankly, my dear, I don't care. Those are the last words she ever heard in her life. Now, I know we can't change history, But do you think it would have been different if as a little girl, Norma Jean was brought to Sunday school and to worship and was taught the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Those are such simple words. Just a child song, we would say. And yet they, they put across the most profound message that we can ever hear. 
the message that God loves us and has loved us with an everlasting love in the gift of His own Son, the sacrifice of His own Son on the cross. Not because of anything we've done, but in spite of what we've done. That He loves us that much. That He loves us even though we are unfaithful. That He loves us even though we do fail Him. That God loves us even in spite of who we are. And that He loves us not because of what we've done. But again, in spite of it. And He does so because He is love. You know, as we read through the Bible, we see that love in the creation story. We see that love in Moses pleading for the rebellious children of Israel. Please, God, don't destroy them. That sounds like God's love, doesn't it? We see it in Hosea's willingness to buy back his unfaithful wife. We see it in the Gospels. We see it in Jesus' love and concern and care for people over and over and over again. And especially do we see it when He carries His own execution. When He goes to the cross willingly. When He could have called down thousands of angels. And we continue to see it even in this table where His death is is recreated through this sacrament that He instituted for you and me. A way to remember not just His sacrifice, but a way to remember why He was sacrificed. That God loves the unfaithful. And the good news is that means God loves you and me. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together.